Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. And I am David Law. And you're listening to Is It Worth It? The, the Film, Film Review Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> uh, coming up on this episode. Uh, first up, it's another Spider-Man film, another sequel, another multiverse film. It's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm, and then it's on to the fifth outing for Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford returns in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. After this, Craig will briefly moan about Fast and <laughs> Furious 10, or as it's actually called, Fast X. Then both David and I will discuss Wes Anderson's latest movie, Asteroid City. Finally, I'll end the show by reviewing what is apparently the last ever movie in the Insidious series, Insidious, The Red Door. Ooh. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that will be an interesting review, I feel. Um, I have things to say about that movie. I'm sure you do. I mean, you, you always seem to have a lot to say about in the Insidious films, uh, even the Conjuring films, all of those kind of yeah, films. They yeah. are your kind of films. Um, but today, today is uh, a Saturday and we're back. We are. Are you well? I'm well. I'm well. I'm now sitting. We're sitting in my new house. Yeah. Finally. Extraordinary. We've been talking off air, obviously, as we are friends and uh, together. Um, not li- like together as anybody. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> no, I was. I don't know. You've interrupted me. Oh. I mean, can I, we start I, that section again. No, because that was quite funny. Okay. All right. I'm rusty. I I had a point. What was it? That we have been talking and we were talking about the Oh, house. no, that was it. Just about life and how crazy it's been and how much has changed and how did we find the time to do this podcast for four years when we were... On a, on a weekly basis almost. And we literally seeing every film. Um, and obviously amazing things have happened. Craig's got married, he's got a house. Um, and we're in the new studio of, of sorts and we're... It's, it's Hazel's room. <laughs> That's what it says on the door, and uh, I don't know who Hazel is, but it's not her room. Uh, a, a previous occupant of this bedroom, it still has the sign on I, the door. Yeah, I'd probably take for that down. Hazel. Yeah, eventually. I mean, every single room needs some kind of uh, upgrade, some kind of renovation, and that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, I mean, the room that we're in is in pretty good nick. It's doing I mean, the job for it, us to record it's got today. Four, four walls and a door. What, uh, what, what more do you want? And a roof. That's that's what you would want from a room um, <laughs> and it's not a red door either it's a white door I was, I was hoping it might be a red door and I could weave that in yeah. um, no life's crazy I mean what's going on in the world we've got Elon Musk versus the lizard man uh, Zuckerberg apparently they're going to have a cage wrestling match I did see this um, where? well I read that it was going to be in the Colosseum in Rome I mean what like a gladiator wrestling like, fight I, I, do you think there'll be lions and I, it would be it would be great, wouldn't it, Swords. if they did just fight to the death? I mean, I literally mean, live on television. Part of me would be pleased. <laughs> Another part of me would say that's barbaric. Um, yeah. I mean, it is. Um, but, I mean, I quite I'm quite enjoying the digital fight they have at the minute with Twitter versus Threads. Threads is a new one. Copy it's, and paste, wasn't it? It's a copy and paste job, but it kind of looks like Facebook Messenger. Um, only you're not personally messaging people for, you know, mm. where other people can see it's, it's kind of confusing me. I'm sending messages to people on thread and it's not messages. It's, it's 
not direct Fred, messages. Yeah. It's people can see it. What am I doing? What am I saying? Should I say this out loud? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I haven't got thread yet or threads or whatever. By the way, I'm not actually sending anything nefarious. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it literally looks like a copy and paste job. I know um, old uh, Elon Musk has threatened legal action. Of course um, he has, because that's what Elon Musk does. He likes to throw his weight about and... But yeah, I mean, the, the, all sorts going on. I mean, I can't believe it's July. We've got a lot of uh, big films coming out. Oppenheimer comes out, the the Barbie film that... Honestly, when I read about this a few years ago, I thought it sounded terrible, but they have marketed this movie so hard. Mm. So, so hard. Um, Craig is... Th- th- you might have just heard a, a change in audio as Craig politely hinted me to come closer to the microphone. It's, we're, we're rusty. Um, in other news, I'm going to be on Mike, Mike and Oscar. Um in a couple of weeks that episode should be out about the 18th or 19th of july and we're going to be talking about oscars 2024 just just talk across the mic like this because uh, at the minute you're talking into it like that so is, is, i mean is that better yeah that's better right there we go I see, hope. see craig um likes good quality audio so i strive I, for the best i would laugh if it's now worse and no one can hear me so yeah mike mike and oscar are going to be talking about oscars 24 essentially looking at best picture what we think might win and it's a minefield again, as it is every year. But at the moment, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, the trailer just dropped recently. It's going to be on Apple TV in October. Small, uh, short cinematic release, so it qualifies for for the Oscars. And, uh, you know, Robert De Niro, mm. Leonardo DiCaprio, Scorsese, over three hours. One of it's longer than The Irishman. Um, I wonder how much this one cost. Well, it's just... Very briefly, the Academy has been so crazy over the last few years. You know, if you think about Parasite winning and then um, Sausage Fingers this year, and then we had Coda, and there was so, and the, <laughs> Sausage Fingers. Yeah, well, I thought that movie was absolutely terrible, but um, no, no, it wasn't. So the it's, it, it, there's every year for the last four years, and then we had that one with The Shape of Water. Oh God, yeah, of course we had that bloody thing as well. Um, but but you're had, thinking of something different. No, we had that one with Francis McDormand moaning in a caravan for two and a half hours. Nomad Land. You know, there's just been these very sort of new age, nuanced, different kind of movies. Whereas, but that's brilliant because this is the age of superhero films at the minute, and to have films that are winning that are very different and tell a more uh, human story. And yes, Sausage Fingers was a more human story than it you might nonsense. be thinking. It, but it wasn't nonsense. Though. I I despise that movie. That we're going to be talking about Asteroid City, mm. and that's a very different film, and that has a very human undercurrent. And we will delve into that a bit later on. But it's bizarre, and Sausage Fingers was bizarre, but mm. it was more of a sci-fi, you know, nature. But it had the human elements, and we're gonna we we'll debate this definitely later yeah, on. Yeah. But but this is what this is all about. This is why we love doing <laughs> this podcast because we do have these differencing of opinions. Oh yeah. We, we, we like an argument, but um, essentially my point was, I just wonder if the Academy will go back to a more traditional film and killers of the flower moon, Martin Scorsese, the kind of film it is. If you watch the trailer, it looks very Oscar-y. Um, you know, Coda was an Apple TV. Yep. And, yep. uh, you know, they they tend to pick films that I think are grounded, a lot more grounded than yeah. films like The Shape of Water. And I hated that film as well. Uh, okay. Well, I've, I've, basically, yeah, Mike, Mike and Oscar, I know um, a few people that listen to this podcast like it when I go on there. So check me out on that show. Send my regards to the boys. I will. I will. 
And, and nice um, to uh, hear you on there again for, <laughs> I don't know, well, the 16th time. You always say that I turn American when I go on there. You do. So if you tune into this show, but don't tune into the Mike, Mike and Oscar, tune in for the one that uh, David is on and uh, drop us a line. My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com and let us know how David gets on. Does does he go American or not? Um, I'm going to listen in, but... Um, they are very American though, the terminology. I mean, they, they are use. American. Yeah, I know, but they're very American, like... <laughs> You know, they're waving a waving a big USA flag, eating hot dogs. Well, whilst on air? No, I'm, they, 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 list, they listen as well, so they'll probably have a go at me for saying that. But it's just when you're surrounded by Americanisms, it's very difficult to remain upright and British. But I'll bloody well try it, boy. No, you should. Uh, you should go very British. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if I just turned out and I've had a... Smoking a pipe. Yes, yeah, smoking a pipe. And uh, I talk like this now, so uh, crack on with the Oscars. <laughs> but anyway, that was our brief introduction. We, we could talk for hours. <laughs> well, that was our brief introduction. I haven't even asked how you are. Um, I'm, What's life going on with you? Do you know what? I'll say new? briefly. What? Go on. Essentially... Listening back to some of the old episodes, I'd always talk about how I'm going to quit smoking, quit energy drinks, lose some weight. This is where find we're a at. girlfriend. Find a girlfriend. This is where we're at. So I'm still smoking, but I am going to quit. So nothing's <laughs> changed. I have lost a stone and a half, but I put on about two stones. So again, nothing's changed. The energy drinks, I did quit them. There's one there. <laughs> And then I started drinking them again. So nothing has changed. Essentially, I am still a bald, fraudulent man. In what way are you fraudulent, though? You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it's, oh. It's an in-joke between me and my work colleague, who, by the way, he sits next to me at, at work. He's about the same height, the same weight, and bald. With Is he you? It, it, yeah. It, it, my mum, when I come out of work, she picks me up occasionally. Because, well, a lot, actually. I'm just going to be mom. honest. I'm terrible. I need to learn to drive. She... she <laughs> actually thought it was me a number of times this has happened has uh this person got into your mum's car no and no. your mum got halfway home before realizing that, that would be funny we, we have thought about it um so you work with your doppelganger well he's bald with a beard so and his name's david no his name isn't i got <laughs> can you matt. reveal like matt. Yeah. matt what's his surname i'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but um no, it's good to be back, and it is good to be how back. Do we, you know, we're a bit rusty. How do we transition? Well, we, you know what, we're bringing back an old feature, uh, mm. a, a feature that we decide we're, we're reigniting the fire for this because mm. what it allows us to do is talk about films that we have or haven't seen that come up in mm. this feature. This feature is, of course, the box office. Run down. <laughs> Let's cue the jingle. Old school. This is the box office rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's the box office rundown mm. for the weekend of June the 30th to, to July the 2nd. To, 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 to July the 2nd. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I sort of glitched there in the Matrix. I think it's the microphone. It's been a while. We'll, we'll, we'll ease think into uh, it. I think putting me off. You're nervous. Nervous uh, ticks. I, yeah, I'll have to listen back. But you, oh, I've had it before. <laughs> I swallowed my tongue. I mean, you remember to, when I did you, that? I mean, you swallowed your tongue back in the days a lot of times. Yeah, I, I never saw a doctor about that. I didn't well, know what to say. Problem solved. Do you remember? It was a roulette. 
I'd just be like, I'm sorry, I just swallowed my tongue. And you'd be like, what's going on? There was one particular episode. Oh, this is, this could be a train wreck, this episode. This is a throwback episode. Anyway, back to the box office rundown. <laughs> <laughs> this is a domestic box office. So this is for the Great British Isles. And um, mm. we're going to start off at number 14. Uh, we are reviewing this film. It's Fast X. And uh, this has... Well, how do we? How are we doing this? Are we going to say figures? I don't think we need to say figures. I think it's just a good idea to. I mean, it's 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 still there. I mean, fourteen. You know, people are still seeing this movie. Apparently, I mean, I think financially, it's it's done well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been uh, out for seven weeks now. So mm. for the last seven weeks, it has taken a considerable sum of money, as mm. all of these Fast and Furious films do. Yeah, I think they just like the family element of it. People, it's a good family <laughs> film, isn't it? Family film. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it more in the in in your review, but briefly now, I don't know what, what's going on here. I mean, essentially, this started in two thousand and one. I think with some people who were like robbers with cars or thieves and then there was street racing now they're going into space and oh well we'll let's not give anything away I mean, before just, the review. Just, but the thing is though if you liked say the first two or three fast and furious films you're mm. you're stuck now and these could just go on forever a bit like mission impossible you know, isn't fast it? 99 you know just... 1999 no uh okay so in at number 10 now, so we're going to mm. skip a little bit. And uh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I have seen this. Um, I'm, we're not going to review this. This mm. has been out now for nine weeks. Um, so it is kind of coming to the end of it. It's theatrical. Theatrical. Yeah, some words evading me. Um, release. And uh, so I'll give you a brief... Uh, review i guess or my thoughts on this film within the box office rundown um guardians of the galaxy volume three is actually oh here we go i don't know anything about this by the way so i'm excited it's worth it oh yeah it's uh james gunn's last film within the marvel universe um for those of you who don't know but if you don't know um, you're probably David. Um, <laughs> James Gunn is has uh, is now like a, the CEO of DC Films. So he's he's changed from Marvel to DC and is relaunching the DC Films um, for its audience. Um, yeah, I mean, that whole piece of news was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. And it's not gone so well for him so far mm. with The Flash um, reviews for that have bombed a little bit. But anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is actually a really good send-off for him, for the Guardians, because it kind of is the band breaking up in a way. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I think Marvel have been very hit and miss recently. Mm. I think a lot of their films haven't really hit home. Um, and it's, it's been really disappointing. Guardians actually brings uh, a rocket, raccoon, sort of his story. Like yeah, it, it, there's a it's a deep dive into how he became who he was. And that was actually really interesting. And I think fans have been wanting that story for a long time. And, and I think they did that justice. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's solid. It's, it's pretty decent. It mm. will be coming to Disney plus incredibly soon. I'm sure if it's not already on there. Um, so do check it out. Uh, if you can, um, we're going to skip ahead to number seven because it kind of continues the flow of where mm. we are right now. And it is the flash. The flash has been out for three weeks and it's already at number seven. This is bombed quite a bit. Yeah. I haven't seen this film, but I've seen some really, uh, horrible reviews for it. Like just saying it's terrible. It's, 
it's not very good. It's a disaster. I don't think financially it's done that well. Um, it, it, it hasn't. Um, it's a shame. Uh, our good friend Ranjit Namra, who uh, previously worked on the show, and I'm sure I'm going to try and entice him back at some point to, to actually talk about The Flash because he worked on The Flash. Um, so he, I did hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. So he has got to say he is the flash. He is the flash. (laughs) He is actually Barry Allen, the flash. That would Um, be so funny. Yeah. No. So he's, he's worked on this film. He's got some insight, inside knowledge, um, perhaps stuff that he can share about. He's also one of the biggest DC fans in the world. So he knows his stuff when it comes to DC. He always embarrassed me because you know what I'm like when it comes to Marvel and DC. It's not my bread and butter. No, but, um, but from the trailers, what we've seen, we know um, Batman's in it. We've got, uh, you know, numerous Batmans from previous films and multiverses. So this is kind of DC's attempt to do some mm. kind of multiversal film, which Marvel have kind of done well to an extent. Mm. It um, might be a saturated market now, I feel. It is. <laughs> I, I, I personally feel superhero films are becoming to coming to an end almost yeah. they run their ground now and i mean it's been what 20 years nearly that these i mean starting kind of with iron man i guess yeah and but i mean back to the toby Maguire spider-mans would that be included in that yeah sort of? i think it would well because they brought toby Maguire into it, the marvel cinematic universe yeah. with the previous spider-man film garfield and the new chap whose name evades me tom tom holland yeah yeah no it's just tom just tom yeah we, we're first name all oh, right we're, we're that close are we yeah Thanks, Tom. He's a friend of the show. <laughs> what, a, what a show that would be. Uh, it would Imagine, be, wouldn't man, it? Here's Tom Holland. If we actually had him, that people would well, be Well, he's shot. got a new TV series out on Apple TV Plus yeah. that I am still... Wasn't he dating Zendaya and didn't that just end or something? Has it ended? I thought I'd read that. I might be wrong. I hope that doesn't make me liable for a lawsuit. We're always worried about this with you, aren't we, on this show? There was one thing. I can't remember what it was, talking about the Flash and things from the past. The Flashback. Do you remember when I did genuinely get worried about being sued? I can't remember what I said. Something to do with Disney. Yeah, I mean, you you always... You you said you you can't say that, and I was like, I just did. You genuinely got quite worried at one point. Yeah, yeah, I... What I said wasn't good, though. I think no. it was um, potential legal action. Yeah. Do, uh, they... do you want to uh, move <laughs> on to number six? Uh, number six is No Hard Feelings, which I believe uh, stars Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, it's a comedy film. Um, it's not been out long. I haven't seen it yet. I would like to see it. I, I'm a huge fan of Jennifer Lawrence. I think she's... Um, what, what are you pointing at? I was just uh, pointing at the synopsis so you can um, maybe uh, talk about it a little bit more. Do you want me to read the synopsis? I don't know. Maybe like <laughs> skim it. I don't know. Um, it appears like she's on the brink of losing her home, uh, finds an intriguing job listing. Uh, what, what What is going on here? She has one summer to make this 19-year-old boy a man or die trying. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a comedy film. I've seen the trailer for it. It's It doesn't... Um, it, it doesn't give too much away in some sense. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing it and I'm going to try and catch it fairly soon. So hopefully that'll be on the next show. Yes, hopefully. Yeah, I, like I said, I think Jennifer Lawrence is incredible. I, I told you I bumped into her, didn't I, in the London Film Festival? No, you didn't. Did I not? No. I, well, this I, is a, a story. So I was going from the main Odeon cinema to one of the small private ones, literally 500 yards away up the road around the corner. And there was a, I didn't notice at the time because I was in a rush to get to the to the screening and there was a crowd gathering and I walked mm. and literally as I walked, a door opened. This is on the street. So it's at the back exit of the theatre. And 
as I walked, literally the door opened and Jennifer Aniston was in front of me and I literally bumped into her. Jennifer Aniston? Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I think you said that previously as well. <laughs> oh God, I'm rusty. Jennifer Lawrence. So I literally bumped into her. Security pulled me back and then it was like a film out. It was like a scene out of a film. Like Notting Hill. Everyone was like, Jennifer, Jennifer, Jennifer. Like were, you, waving. were you Hugh Grant? It would have been funny, but no, I was not Hugh Grant. A much larger, balder version of Hugh Grant, maybe. But I literally bumped into her. The security pulled me back. And then everyone was like, Jennifer, Jennifer, waving like T-shirts with her, you know, photos. She signed about five things uh, and then got into a, a car and just drove off. But I literally bumped into her. It was extraordinary. Like, that was that was Jennifer Lawrence. Well, if she got into a spaceship. That'd have been even more <laughs> extraordinary. But it was it was just so random. It was like, yeah, that was because she was that actually happened. there for a QA for her Apple film that came out last year about mental health, which was well, she was in the army, got injured, had mental health issues. Very good. It's on Apple TV. Can't, can't remember, remember the name. Can't remember what it's called. <laughs> We've gone on a massive tangent here. We have uh in at number five is Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's latest movie, which we are reviewing yep. on today's episode, as we have uh, already said about in the introduction. Um we saw this together in the cinema and It was nostalgic. It was nostalgic. It was like the it? old days being there and I, I'm looking forward to reviewing this film. It, it was interesting. I think we don't need to say too much here about that. Number four, The Little Mermaid. Neither of us have seen it, but I do want to have a... I, I don't know why Disney keeps doing this. You know, classics, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, you know, let a good thing be, you know, just... That was an era of Disney. It's it's yes. important part of my childhood. Why they are we... continuing with Hercules as well. Oh, but why? Just leave these things alone. Because they are they like to reinvent the wheel. But it's still <laughs> a wheel at the end of the day. But who who want who no, genuinely, this is me being serious. Who wants to see this? Who? Who? Uh, people who loved the Little Mermaid. Okay, so watch the Little Mermaid then. I, I quite agree. You know, I, like I said, I don't want to roast the film. I haven't seen it, but I saw some quite a few clips on Twitter. Some of it looks awful. There's a singing seagull. That scene looked terrible. The Sebastian, the crab, looked awful. Did he look crabby? I just didn't. I just don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't want to criticise it too much because I haven't actually seen it. But, you know, when does it end? It ends when they start making or not making profit. I don't know how, you know, I, I don't I don't think this did great at the box office. Like, I don't know if it smashed it. Honestly, they will they will continue if they're making profit. If they stop making profit, they will know that they need to change direction. And and I, I think there's been a bit of uh, Pixar at Disney has fallen apart a little bit. I think a lot of people have been sacked or been made <laughs> no genuinely they've been made redundant and i've i, I believe the, the i can't remember her name but one of the um senior people at pixar who actually saved toy story 2 uh was made redundant i did hear about this it yeah wasn't, it did kick off didn't it It did big time so she she single-handedly saved the entire didn't they film like, delete it or something so 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 yeah so toy story 2 somebody <laughs> accidentally deleted the entire film mm. and the person forgive me i have i can't remember her name but the person who saved it had a copy of it on her computer at home mm. and so brought it back so they were able to Can complete the film yeah i mean this is back in the day when computers weren't 
what they are today. Um, yeah. And they learn from these mistakes. I mean, I, can you I, imagine if you deleted an entire film? That would be awful. I remember we had an episode of this show that went into the ether. Do you remember that? Yeah, we, I do. It was about two hours. We recorded it. It was lost. And we were devastated because, you know, obviously we'd done our research. We put the effort in. It was a lot of time and effort, even just for a two-hour episode. Imagine losing a whole film. But I tell you what, it did remind me of something very briefly. At work, uh, during my lunch hour, I always like to read the news, BBC News, Sky News, just keep myself informed. There was a cleaner who went into a medical laboratory mm. somewhere in Europe and um, wanted to, like, mop behind the fridges. So she unplugged them. I saw this as and well. And they lost, like, 10 years of very important scientific... Breakthrough research. Breakthrough, because yeah. it all, like, defrosted or something. And then was <laughs> it next to something that said, do not turn yeah, off or it something? it was like, do not turn off, do not unplug. I think the room was like, do not enter. She was like, oh, I'm going to mop in here. Yeah, but then, uh, then it was making too much noise. So that it was must it. turn off. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. It's something like that. But it just, you know, imagine being the manager of that institution coming in. How's the 10 years of groundbreaking research going well? Really well. And everything's just been turned off. And the fact that it's not something that could be backed up. No, Because no. it was a fridge full of... I don't know what it was. Something germs, <laughs> DNA, who knows? Something that needed to be frozen. We're not scientists, as you can tell, but there was something of great significance. Winston, Winston Churchill's head had been <laughs> no, <he's>... frozen. Futurama <laughs> style. That have no relevance to science. <laughs> his brain. Well, Pickled his brain. Again, I don't know what you'd do with that. Probably sell it bring, at an auction. No, bring it back. Where, where are we going with this? I don't know. Uh, We've gone from the Little Mermaid to a resurrected Churchill. To number three in the box office? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't see that. It's teenage Kraken? Yeah, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. Uh, this, so this is the rival film for the summer to Disney uh, with the Little Mermaid. Uh, gen gen generally, we have an animated film you know, going against another mm. one. This is DreamWorks, Universal Pictures uh, film for the year. Um, summer blockbuster, I guess. Um, it, You know what? It looks decent from the trailer. We haven't seen it. We are sorry. Do we even do a film review show? <laughs> Let's give ourselves a break. Yeah. We, we no longer go out of our way to see every film in the cinema. So even the bad ones. Even the bad ones, so you don't have to. No. Um, like I said, it was a miracle that we ever did that. We were watching... Five, six films a week. It was crazy. It was. What was that? That was my phone. Sorry. God, it sounded like a phase, like some sort of laser gun. <laughs> um, look, I think we should move on because uh, I don't know what's going on. We, we are rusty, but hopefully this is enjoyable well, listening. You know, we're on number two now. Yeah, I know. So that's what I said to move on. Oh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, incidentally, is going to be our film that we're going to review first. Yeah. Uh, so we won't say any more about that. And then at number one, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, again, a film that we're going to review today. And mm. uh, to both those films, I'm actually looking forward to hearing each other's opinion. Yeah. I guess I'm going to, I already know my opinion. So you're so. going to hear my opinion and yeah. I'm going to hear your opinion. That's how this that's show how, works. That's how I think. podcast works. Sometimes. Who knows? I mean, the good thing is, is we haven't over prepped it. So I actually don't know a lot of what Craig thinks. So I'm looking forward to arguing with him because he's always wrong. You ready to argue? Uh, hopefully, yes. Okay, let's do it. Oh, a jingle. Yeah, you know, we like a jingle. <sighs> <laughs> so. 
So, first up is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So, after reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time, friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse, where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. However, when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other Spiders. He must soon redefine what it means to be a hero, so he can save the people he loves most. We've got a clip. Let's take a listen. clips are back i do like a clip craig has well sourced these and it's a good clip um that's actually one of my more sort of favored scenes in the in the film really funny obviously with all the extortionate amount of spider men and women and creatures that they have pointing at each other um i have to say i was baffled at how long ago the first one of these films came out 2018 wasn't it? i could not believe that if you'd have asked me i'd have said 2020 2021 i can't mm. believe it's that long ago i remember reviewing it on the show i remember saying to you i think this is an exceptional film uh, the original and i think there's un- you know they they've literally opened unlimited potential um and this very much to me felt like the meat in the sandwich you know it it felt like exactly what it was like the middle of a of a trilogy because it just sort of went straight into the film Bang, 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 bang. Lots of scenes, amazing animation, vivid colours, so many different Spider-People universes. And then it didn't finish. There was no real beginning, middle and end. It was just sort of middle. It was like, but it set us up nicely for the concluding uh, film, which will be out in a couple of years, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I I said to you off air, it's the only time we really spoke about the films. Um, I think the original was superior. I much preferred the original, um, but... With that in mind, I still thought this was a tremendously good film. Very watchable. Did feel a tad long, uh, I'm not going to lie. For me, anyway. Uh, But I have been out of the saddle for a while, so maybe it just felt long for that reason. No, 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 no. You are right. It did feel long. And there was a point in the film where I was thinking, how are they going to wrap this up? Mm. Not knowing that this was going to be a trilogy. If you didn't know that, you do now. Um, I hope I'm right about that because I'm fairly certain that is correct. Yes, it is correct because they say yeah, it will yeah, continue. Yeah. Did you not uh, know that there was going to be a third one? I didn't. And um, I went in not really knowing and a, a great deal. I had watched one trailer for it, um, obviously seeing the previous film and mm. was blown away by the previous film. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, how do you build upon a franchise that is one of the most beloved Marvel characters? Mm. Um, Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Well, y- you know, you build upon with Miles Morales and Miles Morales actually had uh, like some brief nods in the actual live action films um, with his uncle being in the live action film with Tom Holland. 
there is a scene there where he's in there and actually is brought forth mm. into this film. You see the same live action uncle in this film. Did you did you spot who that was? I did see that. Is that I know the scene you're talking about. I'm sure there'll be a, a great informative reveal from yourself now. Yeah, well, I'm hoping so. <laughs> He's just <laughs> scrolling through IMDb and there are so many people in this film. It just goes on and on. Look how long that is. Additional voices. There's so a lot of additional voices. voices. There was it, Literally, I'm not even lying, there was an infinite number of spider people. I mean, even... Um, uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire have some archive footage is planted within this film. Yeah, yeah, If you didn't catch that, it is in there, definitely. I did see that, yeah, yeah. Um, It is a true multiversal Spider-Man film. Multiversal? Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) Donald... So it was Donald Glover. I couldn't remember his name. So Donald Glover is... Plays um, Miles Morales' uncle. Can you just click on his his picture? Yes. You're like, oh, I do recognise him now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I asked you to do that, but that is Donald Glover. It is Donald Glover. <laughs> <laughs> Even J.K. Simmons um, has a voiceover part in the film. I did. Obviously, I did. he he was in the original Tobey Maguire films, and then actually in the Tom Holland uh, sequel mm. um, for uh, Spider-Man film, uh, he he has actually placed quite a big role in there. Um, and then he's also in this film as well. Um, briefly, it, it is just a humongous humongous film oscar isaac plays uh miguel who is another sp- version of spider-man mm. spider-man i think he's like spider-man 2044 or whatever it is some sort of very futuristic spider-man um jake johnson uh reprising his role as peter b parker mm. um mm. a fond character of mine from the previous film um, and in this film actually he has a child um which was actually i really really quite enjoyed that part mm. of the film um, do you remember? You're looking at me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. No, I, sorry. I was also uh, also just looking at uh, Brian Tyree Henry. If you could just click on him briefly, because uh, obviously he was the the voice of uh, Jeff Morales, um, and he briefly, uh, I will say, actually go down because I'll be able to say what that Apple film was he was in because he was recently. I hope <laughs> I hope I haven't got the wrong or not. Oh, known for but where is it? It's all here. <laughs> Causeway, there you go. That's the one with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Remember earlier? Oh, when I right. said I bumped into Jennifer Lawrence, and she was in a film on Apple TV. It was called Causeway. There was cool. a, a there purpose was a for me going down that route. But yeah, I mean, literally, I've I have never in all my years of doing podcasting and looking at IMDb seen so many names. Um, there's just for cast for, for the cast. It, it is literally pages and pages craig's just scrolling and scrolling yeah um but phil lord christopher miller are back in the uh for the writing credits um obviously these guys are are well known for doing the lego movies um mm. and make very successful animated films um and i think this is no exception i i think this spider-man across the spider-verse is is a phenomenal film and and just when you think that they can't do better in terms of animation mm. and story, I, f- I think this is, they've really hit it out of the park with this one. Oh yeah, the animation's extraordinary. Like I said, to think of that many different spider people, we'll call them, because they're spider men, women, creatures. But they are referencing the comics. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's still they- extraordinary. And then to, to get that onto the big screen and to have that many voice actors and pull, pull it all together, and it's an extraordinary piece of animation. 
Um, obviously going to be no- nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, um, assuming mm. it qualifies, which I'm sure it does. I mean, this will just win. I mean, I can't see how... I cannot see how anything in this sort of award season window can be better animated than that. You well, know? we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's it's the meat in the sandwich. It's it's stocking filler. It's it, it, well, it is. I think it's better than stocking filler, though. Like we have in, a lot of right. good quality sto- M and S stocking filler. But but think about trilogies and think about the middle film in some trilogies. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they're better. Yeah, Godfather Part Two would yeah. spring to mind for that. Probably better than the first, and the, and the third one was pretty poor. Um, <laughs> not but no, not uh, Jaws Two. Um, definitely not. <laughs> well, you, Lord of the Rings, you'd have to. Yeah, I, you yeah. Know, I, I couldn't. I've, I have seen all of them because we did a, a, a topical talk about Lord of the Rings, and I was very impressed. This is good. This is very good, but it's it feels like it's it's nicely set up for the ending. You know, it makes me want to see the third film. But th- this film itself left me feeling a little bit like there was development, but it was very much pushing for the third film. But the, but in in my eyes, that's a good thing. Like, it, it didn't leave much unturned. So lots of the middle films, uh, where they're not successful, they, they, they mm. have a character arc, but they don't, have as much development in it and they're 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 leading you to that third film where it it comes to an end at some point um and that's when the the growing of the characters really happens they they speed it up don't they and you know let's you know take game of thrones for instance the way that they slowly developed like seven seasons Mm. of that and on the eighth season rushed it you know this this film actually was the pace just continued perfectly in terms of the character development and bringing us to the third Mm. film so if they can continue rounding the third film off in that way i think this would be almost a perfect trilogy you know it's hard to get a perfect trilogy back to the future in my eyes is one of those perfect trilogies the third film is not as good as the first and the second but it's a perfect trilogy almost like it's one of my, it's a fan favorite. I think mm. a lot of people really love it. I, I mean, I'm be surprised to hear if there's anybody actually hated Back to the Future. Have you seen? Yeah, Back yeah, to yeah. The um, Back to the Future Three is the Western with the train. It is, yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. So a lot of people hate the Western one though. I, I haven't don't seen them in years. Why. I haven't seen them in years, but I remember that one very, very fondly. Yeah. And I will briefly say, mm. and it, it sounds odd, mm. but I think the quality of the third film will also have an impact on what i think of the second yeah because i I loved the beginning i thought the first one was extraordinary i thought this one was very very good but i didn't think it was as good as the first but depending where it goes yeah and how it wraps up i may then re-watch the second and go oh that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense i feel like there's a lot left open which was obviously the intention Mm. but yeah I, i suspect this will this will do well at the Oscars in the animated feature category. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm ready for the question. I actually... You're ready for the question already? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Otherwise, the podcast will be nine hours. But just... But, <laughs> but just so, look at this cast. I, just we read looked out. at it. <laughs> but, but really look at it. Look at... You know, read it out. I, I'm not reading all that out. There is infinite talent there. There's... Bloody hell, Mahershala Ali's in there as Daniel well. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, there is a lot of... Jason Schwartzman. (laughs) 
Welcome to Is It Worth It, the film review podcast, where we read cast lists off IMDb. Please make yourself comfortable. <laughs> it's an impressive cast. Yeah, list, no, though. no, it's extraordinary. Um, I would, you know, if you are a film fan, which I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to us two buffoons, um, go on IMDb and look at the cast. It's, it, I mean, it's it's incredible. It's incredible, and to to get all to to achieve what they've achieved is amazing. But my point is, it's not as good as the first one. But yeah, would you like to? Before I ask you the question, would you like to hear a little fact about the film? As long as it's true. Yes. Well, why are you asking that? Why would I give you a fact that's not true? Let me hear the fact then. Okay, so the guys, Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and the directors of the film, Kent Powers, etc., were very impressed by a fourteen-year-old boy's. Um, uh, rendition of a scene from the original Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse um, done through stop-motion animation with Lego. And they were so impressed, they got him to do the Lego scene oh, in wow. this film. That's amazing. It is amazing. And I, how, how amazing it is to give that opportunity mm. to someone who who is, you know, clearly talented, very young, and wanting to do that as sort of a career. That That is probably, you know propelled him to want to continue doing this even though he's only 14 mm. he could be something very special in the next 25 years you never yeah, know yeah and i thought that scene was great as well it was it was really cool wasn't it it was it was clever so props to them for for, for allowing that now i will ask you the question david spider-man across the spider-verse was it worth it i think you'll find the podcast is called is it worth it yeah but was the film worth it because you've seen it <laughs> but hang on, you can't just change the context of the whole show. It, the, the whole point is okay. we let them know: is it worth it, David? Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man. Was it worth it? Is it worth it? Should we should we change the artwork as well? Yeah. Rename the show. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? Uh, a simple answer: yes. Um, it builds on the first one. I prefer the first one. Looking forward to the third. Um, it really good on the big screen as well because it's just so much going on it would be difficult to watch at home so yeah i would go to the cinema it's worth the price of a cinema ticket go and see spider-man across the spider-verse craig was it worth it i mean is it worth it <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, spider-man Spider across the spider-verse is definitely worth going to see see it in the biggest screen possible um don't go to one of those cheap rubbishy cinemas that have those tiny little rubbishy well, screens Oh, <laughs> oh that think, was the lawsuit, wasn't it? Yeah, I that, don't know uh, if you can say that. Go to one that has a great screen. What, what Cineworld? Cineworld, every man. Go to your local uh Don't cinema. go to Odeon. Hey, go to the Odyssey. I have nothing against Odeon, in Hertfordshire, by the way. Or go to, some, go, go to one where you feel the most comfortable but has a great screen because the, the vivid nature mm. of the animation in this film is just stupidly good like it, no, it is it, incredible it genuinely you are fully absorbed into the film by its colorful nature mm. and its story is just as good as its animation um and i'm very much so looking forward to seeing the next incarnation of spider-man whatever it's going to be called i the can't name remember is out enter the spider-verse uh and that's matrix you could probably it? google it i can't i did see it and I the name the name is out. Rusty. I would yeah. have had that prepared on notes. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's, I mean, this this one is worth it. Go and see it. I mean, let's let's wrap it up. Oh, oh, we did well. We reviewed the film. I got a lawsuit again. So Craig's turning. Trying to yeah. Okay, he's telling me to shut up. So.
it's time for our second review on this most wonderful episode of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And we will be looking at Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. What's this film about? Well, daredevil archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary dial that can change the course of history. Accompanied by his goddaughter, he soon finds himself struggling, squaring off against Jürgen Voller, a former Nazi who works for NASA. Ah, yes, a clip. <laughs> Stay where you are. Don't move. Who are these people? We need to get out of here. Are they with you? Not an inch, Michelle. Michelle, stop! What do you want? Stop! Hell in She's on the roof. Find another way up. Dr. Jones! Dr. Jones, we're not gonna hurt you. That was a clip from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, of course, Harrison Ford is back reprising his role as the titular titler, the titular titler. The, oh. <laughs> What's that? I the, don't know. The titular titler. Yeah, obviously the title <laughs> is about, oh God. The start again. The start again. So Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. And uh, he reprises the role from the last, what, 40 years? Yeah, the 80s. The first three films were in the 80s, and then they had one 15 years ago, um, and now he's back. And he, we, we Googled his age. He is literally 80 years of age. 80? Unbelievable. Turns 81 on the 15th of July, which is a few days away. Yeah, so... The, the the trilogy, the first trilogy that came out, mm. um, let's just have a look at that very quickly. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, and, uh, you know, these these were fantastic films. Uh, f- I remember watching these fondly as a child um, and then actually studying them a bit further mm. for um, A-level film studies. Um, and just being able to... I don't know, go on many adventures with Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones um, and, and you know, the, the twists that happened at the end of each of these films, these supernatural, mystical things that are quite, <laughs> they're, they're very unexplained and leave a lot to the imagination, mm. um, was thrilling. It truly, truly was thrilling. And then let's move forward a number of years and um, the, the next film in the reboot, I guess, is is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And it's set in 1957. Um, and it it is a huge Spielberg film because, you know, Spielberg yeah. is one of the biggest and best directors, I'd say, ever. Yeah, and, and his name. Pe- people know Spielberg, I think, more yeah. so than maybe Scorsese. Maybe. he um, is, But he is synonymous with... 
action adventure yeah. films but but not just that he he is a wonderful wonderful storyteller which was you know it was difficult then going into kingdom of the crystal skull and being hugely disappointed with a lot of different elements of it partly being that obviously harrison ford being a lot older the way they handled that in that film was actually not I don't know. It was didn't suspend the belief. Now, obviously, Indiana Jones as a as a set of films doesn't always suspend your belief. Mm. But the way that they handled the twists and everything in the tr- in the beginning trilogy was was fantastic because mm. it did kind of suspend your belief, dis- despite the fact that it was supernatural. Yeah, they, yeah they I, left, I know again, exactly what you mean. They left it to the imaginations. Yeah. They they allowed you to fill in the blanks. Now with, yeah. with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, if you haven't seen it, I am going to spoil it for you. And there will <laughs> and there will be spoilers. I'm going to ruin this movie for you. Just just as a heads up, there will be uh, spoilers for the Dial of the um Dial of Time, what's it called? <laughs> <laughs> Dial of Destiny. Dial of, <laughs> for the, the, the Dial of Time. We're doing well. We are doing really well. <laughs> So, so, so the twist, the twist for for the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was was aliens, mm. was was aliens, and I just think of that meme, aliens. If I don't understand aliens, you know that that good old aliens, aliens. It was it was really it didn't leave much to the imagination, and it was very prominent, I guess. And I don't know, it made the whole entire film fall apart. Um, you know. And then, and then we skip forwards a bit more, and we come fifteen to, years. Fifteen years. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was two thousand and eight. Yeah, so let's skip forward a bit more, and and we we arrive at the dial, dial of time. Di- dial of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dial of destiny, and we. James Mangold is the director here for this one, and he plays on the fact that Harrison Ford is eighty years old. Because he is eighty years old, mm. and he is eighty years old in this film. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know if he's his age in the film. I, I'd I'd say he comes across as eighty. He's, he's years old. old. He's old. I don't actually know if I looked at the timelines of the first three films and then the fourth, how old he actually is. But you're right. He's old. He's clearly old. And I did just want to say there's a there is a major difference between a sixty five year old Harrison Ford and eighty. Yeah, you know that that is a you know people can be incredibly fit and healthy and well at eighty, which he is, but physically, you are a very different person yeah. over those fifteen years. One hundred percent. But I feel like they were leaning on that a lot in the Kingdom of the Crystal mm. Skull, making him appear almost like he was old, like he was rusty. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. know what he was, but but they played on it too much. Yeah, I know what you mean. Whereas in this, it's just it is who he is. Yeah, and um. You know, we saw from the trailers, Harrison Ford was going to be de-aged. Yep. And I was impressed from the trailers how, you know, how young he really did look. And, you know, we've seen it before in other films where they de-age characters. Robert De Niro, for instance. In um, The Irishman. And we, we had a good laugh about that. We earlier. did. We did. It was difficult to really believe that he was the age that they were portraying on screen mm. because of the the, the movement. The physicality. The yeah. physicality was awful. And one particular scene in that film where Robert De Niro was kicking in someone's head. Um, <laughs> it just looked like a young man's face and body. But the physicality was of a, a very old yeah. man. And, and that, for me, kind of 
broke the film. Yeah, that that was a really bad scene in that particular film where he's kicking someone, but the the kick has no power. He can't lift his leg. He looks like it hurts him. And then they added that. Do you remember that ridiculous noise when he kicked him? It was like, push, push. Yeah, it, just, it, it was just terrible. Overdone, overexaggerated. It completely over took you out of the film. 100%. We, I mean, we were laughing in the screen. It was really that. bad. It, really bad. It was. However, here, we, we open in this film to a young 1980s Harrison Ford. And the way that they've done this is, is fantastic. Yes, it is the de-age technology that Robert De Niro was probably used. Um, it, it's in Industrial Light and Magic. You know, they, um, George Lucas's original company that was set up to do special effects for Star Wars. There yeah. is a wonderful, brilliant documentary on Disney Plus about Industrial Light and Magic. Um, check it out because it is so, so amazing and how how the CGI element was born mm. all the way through from practical effects to the, check it out because it is great. Um, but anyway, they developed this technology for de-aging and based on that, they then tech took it to the next level. Now, mm. we've all seen... AI come into our lives in in a really big way. Very recently, I'd say with ChatGPT, um, and I don't know. Did you see um, Martin Martin Lewis? Um, those of you who are in the UK, Martin Lewis is a, a money saving expert. Oh, um, I know, I know the geezer. Yeah, yeah. So there is a reason why I'm going down this road. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, Martin <laughs> Martin Lewis is he he is for the people, and he tries to help everybody and anybody in saving money and mm. the website moneysavingexpert.com is 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 fantastic um anyway he he his name is synonymous with saving people's money and people listen to him and recently there was a scam a facebook ad scam of a video of him backing a investment program that is also backed by Elon Musk mm. apparently allegedly this video of Martin Lewis wasn't Martin Lewis. Yeah. It was an AI One of those deep fakes. Deep fake. They're really convincing now. But this this was an AI deep fake of Martin Lewis telling people to invest. And it was unbelievably realistic. And it was almost sickening to see mm. these scammers using this person's face. So we can see AI is a really touchy subject, not just in Hollywood, mm, mm. but in the world over and how we're utilizing this technology. Looking at it from this point of view and in this film, the AI technology that they've implemented was capable of scanning uh, old LucasArts film uh, uh, footage of Harrison Ford in other films and applying it to his facial expression. So this is mm. him acting this. Um, his voice, so it's also the audio, and de-aging his vocal, his eye yep. movements, his mouth movements, his his face, everything about him to look like the 1980s Harrison Ford that we all love playing Indiana Jones. And I thought it was remarkable, mm. absolutely incredible. There are some criticisms. I know you may ha might have some criticisms of it. Well, I, I, this is where I will hand over the baton to you to hear what you thought of that. It's a it's a it's a tough one because I was expecting it to be terrible. I, I was on the way to work a few weeks ago and I heard a, an interview on the radio with a film critic who said that the uh, the the you know the facial 
technology was terrible. He looked awful. It was totally unrealistic. It took you out of the film. So I went in with very low expectations, but I actually thought it looked really good. And we, we were talking earlier. One of the criticisms might be that it looks too good, too clinical, too polished, a little bit. It clearly wasn't him. He, you know, even in the eighties films, he's, he's, human being and this looked more like a sort of polished greased wax work you know yeah in terms of visual yeah like looking at his face etc so it, it was very clean mm. that's the only way but i think that's a visual aspect of the technology like the film the mm. way it was shot so james mangold utilized digital technology to shoot the film so that's 4k um cinema cameras that are clean clinical. So you kind of have to have the person on screen that you've de-aged match mm. the background of what you're seeing. Yeah, so yeah. by by doing that, that's anonymous. So if you if you put someone whose face is 35 millimeter, all the film grains there on a very sharp, clean background, that might even stand out even more. Mm. So so I think that's it's difficult. Maybe if James Mangold was able to shoot this on uh celluloid film of sorts even imax film you get that distressed grainy um film look but but it's still sharp as yeah, well yeah. i mean yeah. christopher nolan does it fantastically he shoots exclusively on imax like he mm. loves the format and it does work it works so well and you must go and see these big bold films on the biggest screen possible and and indiana jones and the dial of destiny is a big bold film does it work in the way that the cinematography was executed here yes and no so it's it's hard to say like it did it take me out of the film the fact that he was de-aged didn't i notice it quite so much no i agree with that I no the same but when you really look closely and and you are going to look closely because you know that they've de-aged him mm. you're going to look for the faults but I tried hard not to. Mm. And because of that, it kept me in the film and enjoying the story that they are telling. And the story, we can move now, I guess, into the story elements mm. of, of this. It sees, you know, after, after we pick up from, uh, uh, you know, an, an early Nazi war scenario. Flashback, the, oh, yeah. flashback yeah. scene, I guess. Yeah, it's a flashback. Yeah. It's def yeah, definitely a flashback scene. We pick up with Indiana Jones in New York City. Very old, very cranky. 1969. I, it's the moon landings moon landing are happening. Scene. It should be 69, yeah. Big celebrations are happening. And the man who was responsible for putting the man on the moon, building the rockets, using the mm. science to do that, is our good friend. Mad Mickelson. <laughs> Mad Mickelson, who... <laughs> plays Dr. Voller, who is an incredibly, uh, I guess, well, he's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it, it, that's probably the best way to describe him. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's a, he, Mads Mikkelsen, by the way, is brilliant. Um, I always, when I see his face, I immediately think of Casino Royale, but he's got a very good face for a bad guy and his voice and his actions. He, 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 he gives a great performance. I really liked him and, I didn't like his character in the sense that he was a Nazi, but I liked the way he portrayed him. And it was that typical bad guy, you know, and, yeah. and they went back to basics with this film with a very clear good guy, bad guy. Absolutely. And, and an agenda that's going on there. Yeah. But, 
but my criticism actually is of his character. The thing that took what I couldn't quite grapple with here was what happened in that opening scene with him. Yeah, I know what you might Slight say. Slight spoiler, I guess, but I'm not going to say it. Something happened with him and then we we move forwards and he's he's here, but he looks the same. Just grey hair. Slightly greyed hair. Like he didn't feel old enough. Yeah, he, he didn't. So he, they didn't increase his age enough mm. to make him feel like he warrant. I don't know. Well, it's twenty four years later, if my maths is correct. But what happened to him? Yeah, in it, that scene, didn't feel like actually happened when you moved forwards. So I didn't. I I was like, am I missing something that happened here? Yeah, I I, I have the exact same issue with that flashback to what I would assume would be nineteen forty five because it was the end of the war something happens to his character and then he's back 25, 24 years later, but there's no explanation in light of what happened to his character about, you know, essentially how's he alive, you know, and what's he been doing for the last 20 odd years. So there was, there was, unfortunately there were some plot holes there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and actually quite major plot holes that could actually have warranted a one line explanation. Yep. Uh, in a piece of dialogue, one line explanation, a very b- brief flashback. Yeah, and um, it wasn't didn't need it didn't it it needed to be explained. I think it so, didn't yeah. need to be something that was left to the imagination. Mm. Um, so that that my that's a criticism of 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 the storytelling element of of that character there. Um, but we are presented with Phoebe Waller Bridge as Helena, as you said, is the the goddaughter of Indiana Jones. Um, should we just start calling them Indiana? Because I can't be bothered to call him Indiana Jones. Indy would be better. Indy would be much better. <laughs> That's what people call him. That is true. Um, so, so her, a powerful, strong uh, female character in the film, entertaining, funny, um, uh, in, like I said, independent. Yeah, she was very, very good. much so independent. I thought she was brilliant. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just brilliant in everything that she yeah. does. Have you seen Fleabag? I have. I, I brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant and our uh, our dear friend toby jones is in there he is i do like toby jones a strange looking gentleman but a marvelous actor he does play a lot of uh nazis as well like he, was, <laughs> he even in the marvel cinematic universe he actually he wasn't a nazi in this he well he was dressed as a nazi to begin with yeah but he was undercover undercover i thought oh here he is playing a nazi he's again. Uh, but, uh, an archaeologist um, you know, talking to you now, what I realise about this film is that I don't think there's issues with the characters. I actually think the characters are relative. I mean, obviously, we have that big plot hole with with Mad, Mads Mikkelsen's character. But, you know, like you said, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, they, they've sort of cemented it where he is in his life. He's clearly getting older. He's lecturing in archaeology. He's retiring. They, so they put a clear sort of flag in the ground. He's old. And it, it is what it is. They're not trying to, you know, really joke about his age too Which much. Which they did in the Kingdom of the yeah. Crystal Skull, yeah. You know, but at 65, that was an age where you could joke a bit. Once you're 80, like, however you look at it, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, but you're old. You know, 80s are, are really good innings, and a lot of people aren't very well at 80, so he's doing well. But they stamp his character in the ground. Then you've got the goddaughter's got a strong character. We've got a traditional bad guy. Um, loved the opening sequence. And I really enjoyed this film. Um like tremendously enjoyed it for about 70% of it. Yeah. I mean, even the, the, the fact that, you know, this thing that the bad guy's after. So the dial of destiny, let's, let's call it that, you know, it, yeah, it, this is, this is where the twist is mm. woven into the film. 
And as we're going through the adventure of looking for elements of this 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 dial um, and working out why it was created and who created it and and where these pieces are, we go on a great adventure. And I do enjoy that adventure getting there. But when we finally unravel what it is, mm. um, the twist again, building on the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now, spoilers. Spoilers are going to probably come up from yeah. here. Shall we talk about it? I think we should because, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this is a full review. Um, oh, but then we don't... Yeah, I mean, maybe... Idea. Skip ahead. <laughs> to, a, to So skip to the next chapter because I will put chapters in mm. if you want a non-spoiler bit from, you know, some, us summarizing what yeah. we thought and whether it was worth it. Okay, so two-second gap here and skip. Okay, time for some spoilers. <laughs> so the dial of the dial of destiny is is this it is a mathematical uh, piece nonsense. of equipment <laughs> that is supposedly But it isn't math though. That's the point. Well, it's the, just... What it's supposed to do, David, is I is know. give coordinates to a weather I don't know, a weather storm There was a name or a, for it. A hole in fabric in space and time that allows you to travel in space and time somehow this this dial you can move the dials to uh, i don't know set a date in time that you could go back in time to or forwards in time or whatever you want to do however once this 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 item is back together our nazi wants to go back in time to obviously <laughs> change the the fate of of the war, the outcome of the war, yeah. so in the Nazis' favour, obviously. This is mm. obviously what he wants to do. And it it fails miserably. It's I'm, I'm sorry, but it is absolutely ludicrous. Well, the, the science and the maths behind it is obviously ludicrous. Well, it's nonsense. It, it is nonsense. And it, it loses... This is where the series of Indiana Jones loses its ability to capture the imagination... Mm of people because it's the typical Hollywood thing that they've, they've done where they grab you by the hand mm. and they walk you down the road, showing you every element of it. There were parts of this film that they needed to explain yeah, and bits that they didn't. And this part was something that they didn't need I agree. to explain. And also I don't think they needed to actually time travel. Yeah. 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 Absolutely agree. In Indiana Jones himself says on a boat, there's a scene where he says, I've seen things I can't explain. Do you remember the scene? And he's yeah. literally saying to the audience, you know, there is the whole Indiana Jones series, particularly the original three, you can't, you don't overthink them. That's the point. You just go with the flow, but this one builds you up, builds you up. You know, we don't know. It's, there is a name for that dial. It's a very fancy name. I can't actually remember what it was, but um, Archimedes, clock. Archimedes something. It was, old and uh, i don't know but <laughs> the point is is that it's like it building it up building up what does this dial do and when when it's revealed what it does it's like i actually thought i i can't believe that they're, they're not going to go down this route the indiana jones franchise has ended up with time traveling nazis now i'm being deadly serious when i say who pitched that idea and how the hell was it given the green light because yeah. that is completely insane to the point where what we're going to have is we're going to have Indiana Jones and some Nazis travel back 2,000 years to meet Archimedes in the middle of a battle. Right. Anyone else got any ideas? You? Oh, no, not really. Right. right. 
<laughs> Time traveling Nazis, it is. Green light it. Give them a big budget. Yeah, on you go. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, crazy. It's Craig. like they gave up for the twist, the bit that is the bit that everybody likes the sci fi twist in Indiana yeah. Jones. We hated the aliens. But this was silly. But, but was it worse than the aliens? Well, I don't think it was. I'd, ha- I'd have to revisit it. Um, all, I, all I know is that 70-80% of this film, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the set pieces. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed yeah, the you plot. Know what? But it just the ending was, was awful. And I mean awful. I, in, As a human being, Indiana Jones, as a human being, if you had seen what you've seen in the first three films, you would be like, I can't explain these things. There's something out there. I can't explain it. Once you've seen Aliens, mm. you're changed forever. But he's not. He's still quite a grounded individual. And he's yeah. like, I've seen things. But but if you've seen Aliens, yeah. that's it. Give up on life almost. Like, <laughs> become, devote your life to trying to understand what you've seen. Yeah, I mean, he Aliens is a, big, is a game changer, you know. Yeah, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't, it's like they're forgetting about that, which they should in some way. They do, but they make no reference to the previous film in this film. It's almost like that film didn't happen. Well, exactly. They, they make reference to his son, mm. sad. Um, clear reasons why. Yeah, yeah. I, You're not going to reprise his role, are yeah, we? Yeah, no. I, well, yeah, that's that's a kind of worms. But essentially, he he was never coming back. So Indiana Jones's son, who's played by Shia LaBeouf in the previous film, were given no real explanation other than he was in active combat and seems to have been killed. Um, which is, I suppose, it's not lazy writing. It's just if you've got to write someone out, killing them off is just the go-to yeah. thing to do. Um. I'm 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 disappointed, Craig, because like I said, for I I love the opening sequence. I loved a lot of the sort of slow burn build up. I yeah. liked. I didn't like the scene where he was riding through New York on on a horse and then charging towards a subway on a but horse. But you're you're a big horse lover. You study the the movements of horses. Yeah, I'm, for for as a hobby because you enjoy watching horse racing. Yeah. so you understand those things but as someone who doesn't yeah. look at that i would believe he was riding a horse yeah yeah, yeah. It, i mean it didn't look very real the cgi there it was clearly obviously cgi harrison ford wasn't unfortunately charging through 1960s new york on a horse and that would be i would actually pay to see that um it was the fact that the a horse just wouldn't do that a horse would not charge down a subway track towards a subway train and then mm. be able to jump out of the way so it you know, the, the element of belief that had been built up, I lost. And then the ending, I thought, was a disaster. And I dare say, and I, I might be wrong, the, the, the actual last shot of the film, um, and we're already in spoilers, is literally they sort of, the camera closes in with that old sort of black pan circle on his hat. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is... Like a vignette. Yeah, that is like paying homage to, you know, his traditional hat and whip and everything that Indiana Jones is. And then his hand comes out and grabs it and whips it away. And I don't know whether that's like it's one of possibly two things. One, it's like he's always going to be Indiana Jones and he's grabbing his hat. Or two, are they are they actually opening it for another one? You never know with these things, do you? Because all I will say is I've seen old footage from 20 years ago of in of um harrison ford in his 60s on talk shows late 50s early 60s people saying will you ever do indiana jones again he says no and people are saying oh imagine what it'd be like you know an 80 year old indiana jones he said i won't do it he's obviously come back and done this one if this made money and they could quickly roll out another one 
maybe they would. Again, I, I haven't done research into it. It might literally be the end, but it was it was almost like the you know inception ending. Like, what, what? Why is he grabbing his hat? You know, what does that mean? Is he coming back, or is he? Is it? Is it a metaphor? Do you know what I'm In, saying? What it it is simply leaving it open. If, if financially it does well, we can make more films. That is literally all it is. I think at the end of the day, mm. it, it's it's giving you the hope that something. But, but do we need that hope? I don't. I don't think we need any more of these. I mean. I slightly feel like I do with Toy Story 4. I love the first three. I thought the, the fourth was the weakest link, so I want a fifth because I want it to end well. I don't think we need one. I mean, let good things be good and leave them alone. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk more about this with Insidious, with uh, Fast and Furious, if you think that's a good thing. You know, with the constant remakes of, of various Disney films, it's like every dog has its day. History is wonderful, and we can all go back and watch films from our childhood, young adulthood, and children now will have that, but we we need new ideas, and this didn't feel new. It was it was satisfying to watch for most of it, but it, it felt like it was made for the sake of it, and that is disappointing. Yeah, like you say, we do need new ideas, and I think the people that are striving to create new ideas, the, the Christopher Nolans of this world, uh, Tom Cruise, I'll be honest, who, who was pushing filmmaking to its absolute limits with Mission Impossible. I'm really excited to see the new film. Reviews have already started coming out um, for it and it is apparently phenomenal. You know, he is, he Tom Cruise is blending what you do on camera in real life, the stunts that, are, mm. that, that take place, not using CGI, building real trains on its own real train track to crash it like it's it's and huge the, and money the, and that motorbike jump as well where the mo- i've seen yeah. seen the original footage with the ramp yeah honestly he, he like these are the people who are pushing filmmaking to the to the limits but we still need i don't know fresh new stories yeah and it feels like at the minute i know there's a writer's strike going on i don't know if that's finished or not but it feels like uh, filmmakers or maybe not even filmmakers like the, the, the big companies um, you know the film studios they're just trying so hard to get things out there mm. cinema is a really tough point at the minute um, I agree you know is it going to survive it will always survive streaming services will always be there now and we will always consume films probably at home more than we go to the cinema mm. these days um, for me, cinema is the best place to go and watch a film. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is why we do what we do. Um, but where am I going with this? I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to hell and hand, Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just, I'm just sad in a way that cinema need, it just needs something new. It needs an injection of mm. fresh stories that are fun. And I don't know, it's like the renaissance of, I don't know the soup building upon the superhero genre. Mm. What's going to be next? And we're waiting patiently for what's going to be next. The next big thing of storytelling in cinema. Mm. And it's just not apparent yet. I don't think it'd be interesting to get someone on who might have a bit more of an inkling who can really tell us what they think the next big thing is going to be. But I think if you're coming back in here now from skipping over the spoiler part, um, we can round this one off mm. with whether or not we thought uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was worth it. Um, 
David, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, is it worth it? This is a really tough one. Um, I, I think not. And I hate to say that. I Have you come to that conclusion after talking it out here? I think so, because endings are important. And, you know, there's, there's lots to like about this film. And dare I say, the best place to see it would be in a cinema. But I just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't really go anywhere. It just feels like it's been made for the sake of being made, you know. And we've seen this so many times before, you know, Spielberg's Jurassic Park, they redid three of them and the first one was bad, the second one was worse and the third one was awful. You know, Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, I thought that that was brilliant. They're making another one with Lady Gaga. Will that be any good? We don't know. Sometimes good films, you know, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, leave it alone, you know, let a good thing be what it is. This felt like it was made for the sake of making money. Um, and therefore, for me, I, I don't think it's worth it. I'm sorry. And that's a shame. I think the ending is so utterly, ludicrously, stupidly moronic that it ruins the previous, you know, hour and 40 minutes of film watching. So no, don't bother. Oh. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest. That's how I feel. And, it, it you know, I was... Annoyed because I was sat there for 80% of the movie thinking I'm going to give this a brilliant review. And 80% of the film is very, very good. But the ending is so moronically, stupidly, idiotically, pathetically, barbarically mental that it, it, it just completely blows the rest of the film away. Sorry. Okay. Craig, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. For you, is it worth it? I'm going to say yes, it is worth it because... You're wrong. Because I am still a fan of Indiana Jones and I will always treasure that uh, that starting trilogy of films. I will always forever be disappointed in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because of that twist. I am disappointed in the lazy storytelling here with with using time travel as 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 a science fiction twist. Um, I might have just spoiled that for people who were trying not to have a spoiler there. Well, no, I, I, to be fair, when you said about skipping, I'd assume they'd skip right on to the next review. Oh, okay. Well, I hope so. Um, and well, look, if Craig spoiled it, he saved you £12 in a, in a, in a, in a cinema ticket. And uh, in your opinion, David, because in my opinion, I do, I do strongly believe it's something that is a great film to go and see. I still think it's entertaining. It's, there's a great adventure in there. It is just like you say, it is a bit moronic, the ending in terms of the, the science fiction twist. I just wish they'd go back to having science fiction um things that are left to the imagination and and you have to try and work out what, mm. what, what was going on not being explicitly told and and i think it's just hollywood at the minute it, it loves to explicitly tell you everything that's going on um so yes it's worth it <laughs> but it's a it's a shaky worth it So for the next review on Is It Worth It? The film review podcast is Fast X. Over many missions and against impossible odds, Dom Toretto and his family have outsmarted and outdriven every foe in their path. Now, 
<laughs> now they must confront the most lethal opponent they've ever faced. Fueled by revenge, a terrifying threat emerges from the shadows of the past to shatter Dom's world and destroy everything and everyone that he loves and adores. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was great. Yeah, I'm just looking for the clip. Um, there's the clip. So we have a clip. Let's cue it up. Moving to Keep this one short. Get out of there! It's gonna blow! <gasps> So that was a ludicrous uh, clip <laughs> from Fast X. Uh, oh man, where do I even begin with this? I guess, I guess let's let's start from the beginning almost, and I mean of the franchise. So, the Fast and Furious franchise started in two thousand and one. Mm. Um, we have had ten Fast and Furious films, as it is in mm -hmm. the title of Fast X, um, not including obviously the Hob. Hobbs and Shaw spin-off. That was ridiculous. Which was ridiculous, yeah. The Rock wrestled a helicopter. The Rock also battled uh, Idris Elba, who was some sort of robotic cyborg at some point. Yeah. Ludicrous. Um, but that's what that's kind of the road we were going down when we got to Fast 9. Mm. With Vin Diesel somehow... He didn't become some kind of robotic, human, super-powered person, but he just was invincible almost yeah. and you know could somehow zip line across the entire city of edinburgh wasn't yeah, it no it was john cena uh, john C well i think they both were i i mean that i just remember that fast nine was just preposterous again i went to space in a car i mean i'm sorry i remember i think it was fast let me have a look which one would it be probably fast and furious four is that four or five 2009 and the 2006, the 2006 one, I went to see in the cinema because I'd have been 15. Um, and then I remember watching some of the originals and it was a bit like, well, what more can you do with this story? So they've had to go from films that were about cars and car chases and the amazing variety of motor vehicles that we have in the world now to, you know, people flying into space in cars and zip wiring across the whole of major European cities. Everything's about family. I haven't seen this. Um, I'd, so I don't know why I'm talking. Sorry, Greg. But the, the point I'm making is, you know, when does it end? I mean, you know, there's, there's already Fast X Part 2 has been green light, greenlit. And I, I'm glad I haven't seen this because the, the ninth one was so ridiculous. I, I just don't know what they're trying to achieve anymore. Obviously, the humble beginnings of what this was was a, is a heist film, isn't it? And, mm. and, and I get... 
as much as we all joke about family, it was a family experience in the sense that they come together as a family to 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 pull off certain things. Now, my understanding is somewhere in between that first film and Fast 9 uh, and Fast 10, I guess, they were recruited by some kind of agency that go under the radar and they do the dirty work of the agency they mm. they somehow are spies now and it's like this is ludicrous how yeah. where they've gone with it but it seems to draw in such a humongous amount of money and well, this a is the huge thing. audience and there is a huge audience for it why that is the question that i've been pondering since seeing this film and let me try and pick out a few things that i think make it worthwhile watching i guess it's the action mm, yeah i guess I mean, it's the cars but when i say the action it's the action that takes place within the cars if you see what i mean it's the racing it's the that experience i don't think the stories are any good at all they are weak hideous stories that involve <laughs> vin diesel just, just being i don't know just so sanctimonious, so absolutely unbelievably heroic for for like just I don't know I just don't understand yeah. his character like and we watched that clip earlier and his voice is getting so deep now that I think if it gets any lower you just won't be able to hear him like he was just talking like oh yeah it was it was just an unbelievable that was a good impression you know it was just and look essentially my opinion of this without having even seen the film is this. If it continues to make money, they will continue to make them. And I and I mean they will literally continue to make them for years and years and years. And when Vin Diesel gets too old, he'll pass the mantle on to someone else. And no, 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 they won't. They will uh, de-age him and they will he use age that a- much anyway. AI technology to recreate his voice and they will weave stories in between previous Fast and Furious films and they will continue to do that forever yeah. and ever more. It, it is just unbelievable. I mean, how is it? How bad is it? I mean, I, I, I watched a you couple know, of tri- it, clips with you and actually, you know, the special effects look good, but they, they're just ridiculous and they're clearly set pieces. You know, you can see from the trailer. But this is the thing, like Mission Impossible, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure, for months to come. The set pieces within that are pushing the limit of what can be done in mm. camera and out of camera and for real and and all of that sort of stuff. And Fast and Furious's set pieces or Fast X set pieces, they are good, maybe mediocre at best. I don't know. It's like it's I don't it, it, it's it's fun, but it's yeah. not. It's like it's just boring now. Whereas Mission Mission Impossible has improved on everything that it's done, from the story to to the set pieces to the action to to what's going on, it, it improves everything yeah. every single time. This just doesn't improve. It just it just gets more ludicrous yeah. in in the story that we're being told, and it clearly suspends some people's beliefs. Mm. But should it? Should yeah. it should it be allowed to continue? Is a question. <laughs> should really. it be allowed? Should there be a legal injunction to stop any more Fast and Furious films being made? The only thing I'll say very briefly is I feel like these films continue to be made for money, and I'm sure the people. But this, but, is, but this but, is everything, though. Yeah, but I'm sure the people behind Mission Impossible also want to make money. But from the clips that I've seen, Tom Cruise is constantly doing new stunts and pushing himself 
for the sake of that. And what I wanted to say was I want to see more cinema that is made for, for the purpose of art, for the purpose of storytelling, for the purpose of enjoyment. And I know big studios want to make money. And it, But the thing is, if you tell good stories in a good way, you will make money. You know, just repeating the same story with a different title is just getting annoying now. It is. It is getting annoying. But at the same time, they need to make that money to make the smaller films because these smaller films are, are the, the smaller spin-off um, production houses and studios and stuff. that They, they are owned essentially by the big Hollywood studios. Mm. So they are the parent companies of all of the more indie niche films that do have stories that need to be told, but they just don't get backed as much. They don't get distributed as much. They, mm. They're not, they don't have the budgets to make the films as good as they really could be. And I mean, a lot of them are fantastic. Let's be honest. Okay. You know, um, it, it's just difficult to, to at the minute, in the age that we live in, in the time that we live in, in the dominance of Hollywood, mm. we need something new. And we're going to keep peddling this in every film review that we're going to be reviewing going forward. Well, is yeah, that this, there I is mean, this is be, a theme, isn't it, for this episode, it actually? It certainly is. It's tragic. It, it is. And this isn't something we've gone into realising yeah. that this is the theme of this week's, uh, of this this month's um uh, topics, I guess. This year, <laughs> yeah. Just, just, it's just, it's just a couple of hours of me and Craig moaning, moaning about the fact that money. <laughs> but it, look, maybe, maybe we might be completely wrong. Maybe this has been the the point and the purpose of film for years and years, and people might have been talking about it in the eighties and the nineties, but and and the noughties and back in the sixties. I don't know, but it, it just feels like I'm being told the same story with a different title. You know. It's like shepherd's pie and um, what's the other one? Cottage pie. It's just basically the same thing, but take the meat, the lamb out and put some beef in. It's like, you're not giving me anything new. I don't want cottage pie anymore. Give me something different. <laughs> I'm sick of cottage pie. Yeah. I I don't know if I have anything more to say, to be honest with no, you. No. And to be fair, we, yeah, we, we didn't purposely plan this episode to sort of moan about the direction of Hollywood, but the, there's clearly an issue with with this kind of repetitive narrative, and it, you know it's getting a bit repetitive. Yeah, like us. Anyway, um, Craig. Yes. Fast ten, fast X, fast Roman numeral X. Is it worth it? I'm going to say no. Um, I agree, and I haven't even seen it. Yeah, I'm going to say no because we've seen it before. We've seen it. There's no need Nine to go other in. times. Yeah, and, and yes, there's a part two. Yes, there is this beef between The Rock and Vin Diesel that was clearly a sham to bring him back in as a surprise appearance. Sorry if I spoiled that for you. Um, but is that worth hanging on to to see The Rock in that film? I, I Well, you know what? A lot of people will say yes. But what's he going to do that's different? Exactly. We saw it in Hobbs and Shaw and we've seen it in... What was that ridiculous film where he literally single-handedly saved a burning building? It was called... In I don't know, Burning Tower, where he jumped across yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we've seen him do stunts. Jumanji, we, you know, we don't need this. Give me something new. I'm sick of Cottage Pie. Well, maybe our next review will um, maybe give us a bit more hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been the most depressing couple of reviews ever. Yeah. But anyway, that was our review of, or my review of Fast X. Thank you for your help there.
For our penultimate review, we will be looking at Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Wes Anderson is uh, a brilliant director. I love his films. Grand Budapest Hotel, one of my favourites. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Love a lot of his work. So was really excited to see Asteroid City. Me and Craig went together a couple of days ago. But what is it about? Well, world-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention in an American desert town in 1955. Let's take a little listen to a clip and then we'll jump into our review. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City? Legally, I mean. Well, I'm not an attorney, but I'd say as long as they like. I think we'd have to file an injunction and successfully argue the case six months to a year. Of course, we'd also need to initiate a civil suit for loss of income. Maybe we should just walk out right now. I'm not sure they could stop us without killing somebody. Interesting idea. What kind of mileage do you think that jetpack gets? Ask Roger or his son. Apparently, he's being prosecuted for revealing state secrets. I'll never make it stick. I'm in no hurry. I like the desert. I like aliens. Oh. How'd you get that back? The projects remain under secure lockdown. No stargazers permitted personal access without the express My permission. son invented this death ray. That may be true. But my Step orders back. are easy, fellas. We're not in Guadalcanal okay, okay, anymore. Okay, everyone, please. It's been a typical quarantine. I'll stop, stop you right now! God damn it, tell him to stand down! Stand down! You hear that? General Gibson says stand down. Are you married? Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was an excellent, funny clip from uh, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's latest film. Um... And Wes Anderson, hey, I think both of us are big fans of Wes Anderson. Mm. Um, And I I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, we are both big fans um, of one film in particular, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. What I believe strongly that that is one of Wes Anderson's best films that he has ever done. And there is a long list of films that he Mm. he has created. Um, And they, you know what? Let me just take this back from the Fast X rant where we were saying Hollywood (laughs) doesn't like to peddle original ideas. Wes Anderson is an incredibly creative, original character himself who creates original content. Mm. And, well, I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox, I guess, is a remake of... or or, or Yeah, but it's the way it's told... It's the way it's told. Exactly. I mean, he he is able to adapt and create and push storytelling in different ways. We're using his own fantastic, I don't know, cinematography and style that he has that is unique to his filmmaking and is able to tackle difficult subjects as well with yep. woven into films that are of unique comedy as well. And mm, mm. I think this film is no different. Yep. But I'm gonna I'm str- I'm gonna struggle to review this one because of the um, huge number of films that he has done to order that, which IMDb has done. Mm. Um, but to to order those list of films and where to include Asteroid City in there, in there I would struggle quite a lot. Mm. I would find it very difficult to to place it in there. Where should we start then? Where should we start with? analyzing Asteroid City. Well, I do want to give myself a pat on the back because in the introduction, I said the Grand Budapest Hotel and Fantastic Mr. Fox, and they are ranked one and two on IMDb. Uh, 
Moonrise Kingdom, which we actually reviewed, is in at three, and Isle of Dogs is four. I'd probably slip this in at number three. Um, personally, uh, I I think the French Dispatch is one of his weaker ones, and that is down at number nine. But Asteroid City is currently at number ten. But bear in mind, obviously, it's fairly new, so as more people review it, I I suspect that might go up. I all I would say about this, firstly, is it's it's the most Wes Anderson film he's ever made in terms of its style. Yeah. If I walked into this, but I hadn't seen the trailer. I didn't even know the synopsis. I'd wanted to keep myself like completely wrapped away from um, this movie. So it was like a unique experience when I went in. You could have showed me any part of this film, a two minute clip, and I'd have just gone, where's Anderson? You know, the the camera movements, the way the the lines are delivered, the style, you know, even from that clip, you know, where he says, I'm not a lawyer, but then goes on to give a very deep legal analysis of the situation. It's, it's a real slow burn. It's very odd. It's very bizarre. It's a story within a story, um, which makes it more believable because we know it is a it's story. a fabrication. It's a work of fiction. It's a work of yeah. fiction. It's a work of fiction. And yeah. it's, it's, it's so layered that it gives this mm. nuance of 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 just strangeness, and like I, I just it really enjoy the way that they tackle things like um, I don't know grief yep. within this. It's such a a big part of this film, but it's layered with uh, and interchanged with comedy, great, great comedy, and great yeah. great comical moments, and I think the acting in it is superb. Yeah, well, the cast, the cast is vast. I mean, if you've seen uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, for example, that's just, I remember the poster for that film. It's just a long list of names. Uh, I mean, you've obviously got Tom Hanks, you've got Edward Norton in there, Scarlett Johansson. Um, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright's in there as well. Um, Jeff Goldblum pops up as well. Mayor uh, Hawk. Yeah, I mean, just a, an endless list that I could, again, just read off, but I won't. <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic cast, and I think this film is a really interesting piece to study, and I would love to re-watch it because, again, I haven't looked hugely what other people have said. I'm trying to just give my thoughts, but I do know that it has been divisive. I've seen some people on Rotten Tomatoes, on Twitter, and in newspapers say it's his best ever film. I've seen some people say it's his worst ever film. And I'm not surprised because it's the most Wes Anderson film. So you're either going to love it or hate it. I feel there's not going to be much middle ground here. And I actually really enjoyed it because it had meat on the bone in terms of the, the themes of life and loss. What's the meaning of life? I mean, they literally address that question head on you know what is the point of all this lots of political commentary religious commentary woven in with magnificently funny well-delivered comedic scenes and neatly packaged together with a very sort of simple message the film has been made for the love of film i feel that that's what it felt like it was a love letter to film and to the cinematic art form and to performance which is because it is a play yes essentially but it's it's made so so we are, we open with Brian Craston as as this narrator yeah and that, brilliantly yeah. done yeah and very telling the Wes story style. telling the story of the play and how it was brought together so mm. we have that story 
which Edward Norton is the apparent writer. And I yeah. kind of get this this feeling that Wes Anderson is kind of weaving himself into this story, I think this element of the story, right and there, trying yeah. to convey how difficult it is to create something and talk about difficult subjects and and but also create something that's meaningful and and original and original as well yeah and and it 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 works in a lot of ways um it works in some ways and it doesn't work in some other places but but i think if you're a wes anderson fan uh and you like a lot of his previous works you will love this film without a doubt i agree and it's I, I haven't laughed so much in the cinema for a long time. I was next to Craig and there's just some brilliant moments. It's the deliverance of the lines, but it's the lines themselves. It's the whole way the film is constructed and it is bonkers. You know, I, I think it's his most mad film. I mean, there's aliens. I mean, it's got, you know, you know, pieces of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in there. <laughs> I mean, it's completely balmy and, you know, the particular scenes where things, it's just chaos. But underneath all of that, madness you know there's good solid script writing and producing and directing and and it feels like it was made it's like a love letter to the arts you know the art of writing the art of make creating creating and telling a story it almost feels like on the back of some of the films we reviewed that Wes Anderson's almost saying to to Hollywood to the audience you know stories are out there it doesn't matter how mental they are how simple they are how bizarre they are let's tell stories let's not just repeat the same story over and over and over and over over again but let's tell stories that connect to our audience so even if it's bizarre there will be elements that you can connect with there will be things that everybody will deal with in life in this film yeah there will be absolutely and and it's it's watching these bizarre, strange, wonderful characters, how they deal with it and how the writer came to deal with trying to explore how he dealt with that in terms of creating it and how then Wes Anderson, it's like a story within a story within a story. It's, it, and, and this is us analysing the, the, the starting point, which is Wes Anderson coming up with the idea, I mm. guess. And yeah, it, Uh, it's brilliant it's brilliant i think it's a great film i don't think it's a perfect film i don't think it's as good as uh grand budapest hotel i think that will probably be anderson's best ever film i think it'll be very hard to top um it's it's just a very good film and if you like wes anderson i think you'll love this film um and i think i'm ready for the question okay david unless there's anything else you want to explore no i i I don't I, i actually well the runtime is one hour 45 and I actually thought it was a really good runtime. It wasn't overloaded in terms of that I, stuff. It came to a conclusion. It did what it needed to do. So David, Asteroid City, is it worth it? Yes, I think Asteroid City is 100% worth seeing. Uh, I think it's worth seeing in the cinema, but it is the kind of movie that when it comes out on streaming services or DVD, if anyone still gets those, uh, it's well worth a watch. It's It's very funny. Um, but it's also beautifully simple and unique and original. Uh, lots of themes that everyone will be able to relate to. Uh, and, a, and, a, and a really good piece of cinema. And we need more stories like this told for the sake of telling the story, not just for the sake of box office numbers. So Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, uh, 
very very good absolutely worth it craig for you is it worth it Yes, as Asteroid City is definitely worth it for all of the reasons that you've just outlined. Um, I, I just think it's bold, it's clever, it's funny, it's sad. It's everything that you would want to find within a film, but boldly explored by, by Wes Anderson in his unique style um, and beautiful cinematography, as always, in the bold colours that you see in, on screen. Um, so yes, it is worth going to see. Um, so that was our review, oh, an uplifting review. I hope so. Of Asteroid City. Buckle up, folks. Insidious is next. So, for the final review of this episode of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast, David is about to take on Insidious the Red Door. Josh Lambert heads east to drop his son Dalton off at school. However, Dalton's college dream soon becomes a living nightmare when the repressed demons of his past suddenly return to haunt them both. David, I've got a clip. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. Play. Our family has been through a lot together. And I can still feel something following us. <laughs> things that can possess our bodies. He's done it to me, and he's coming for Dalton. I have to go back in. This curse ends with me. Well, there you have a clip from Insidious the Red Door, and ladies and gentlemen, it's back. Yes, the trumpet is back. The trumpet. The trumpet is back. Played from my phone, um... With, it, with great clarity. It, 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 I hope so. Uh, just stuck the, the phone into the... Blimey. Um, the phone into the uh, microphone there. I'm, look, I'm sorry I had to play the trumpet there, but uh, it is well-deserved. And actually, one of the last films I got the trumpet out for was Insidious... Uh, what was it called? The Last Key? No. Yes, The Last Key. There will be no more keys. Hopefully no more keys, because that was a terrible film. Look, let me start by saying the first Insidious is a legitimately superb horror film i think it's about 2010 but i might be wrong as i don't have anything on the screen that's a, a change the face of horror film. A, a subtle dig at craig but the first insidious and he's still not putting out um <laughs> the, Sorry. the first insidious film i think it was 2010 i might be wrong was a legitimately superb horror film and i and i, and I truly mean that um the second one was also incredibly good um, but not as good as the first. And then once we got into the third, it was 2010, I am I am right as always. And um, once we got into the third, it started to get weaker. By Insidious, the last key, I think it was called. It was, yeah, it is called Insidious, the last. It was really, really awful. And this film, The Red Door, I was hoping that they would wrap this series up in a really strong way where they can say, look, the first one was amazing. The second one was good. We, we went off track a bit, but we pulled it back and given you a really scary, great conclusion to this ever worsening franchise. And it didn't. It was very, very disappointing. The only thing I can say is it nearly killed me. Uh, I haven't, to I haven't told, why do, <laughs> I do enlighten I me told and the Craig listeners? Craig this yet, but 
there was one particular jump scare in this film hmm. that came out of nowhere. Ow, just hit my head on the mic. <laughs> that came out of nowhere, but it was so loud, I actually literally jumped out of my seat. I mean, physically left my seat. Imagine you're at home watching the television and it goes from naught to 100 on the volume. You might have it at like 35. You didn't soil yourself, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, naught to 100 and you have it at like 35. Mm. This skipped from 35 to 100, but for only like five seconds. The cinema... That's, that's quite a long time. It, Craig... It was so loud. I honestly thought that that I, I actually I actually burst out laughing afterwards because I thought something had gone wrong with the the sound system. How many were in in the audience? Uh, I was in super screen, probably thirty percent full. So I don't know, 50, 60 people. Okay, that's not bad. Um, reasonable number. A lot of couples and other people as well were were shaking, but it wasn't because it was uniquely scary. scary. I, I know, and I and I'm not exaggerating this. It was so loud, I actually thought my eardrums were going to burst. Like it hurt my ears, and it scared me so much that I actually started to have quite bad chest pain, heart um, palpitations. Yes, yeah, and I thought, am I having a heart attack? Has the red door actually caused me to perish? But this is nothing to do with the skill of the filmmaking. It was just insanely loud, and and that was the story of the film. Really, very very slow. Um, sort of weak character development in terms of Dalton. The film is about 10 years after the previous film. So Dalton, who had fallen into this coma-like thing where he ended up in the place called The Further, where he was being haunted by demons. Um, he's now 18, 19, going to college. But it's 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 slow moving. They try and put some humour in that isn't particularly funny. Then we have these very, very sort of weak jump scares with just stupidly loud um you know sound design that was nearly killed me but it just goes to show how um they've they've run out of ideas that they have to pump the volume up so loud to to scare you not from you know the the exorcist was a scary mm. film not because of jump scares but because it was terrifying to see what you were seeing unfold on the screen this this sounds like it's not what's unfolding on the screen. It's what's being I don't know the jump scares. The yeah, jumps yeah, yeah. and and, and uh, ugh, hate it. But but the thing is is don't get me wrong. The first Insidious film had that slow burn and subtle, scary and horrifying you know things that you would see and the way you would hear and the music that was used and uh, we we see it with the Conjuring as well and even you know, that horrible painting of the nun from the Conjuring films, you know, there's still stories to be told in the horror genre, but they need to cut the jump scares. You know, having things running towards you with incredibly loud noises isn't scary. It's just annoying. The only thing that I would say about this film is that the ending, although ludicrous and stupid, and I won't spoil it, there is an element of closure with the ending and the intention behind this film was good yeah so the ending is actually reasonably solid the journey is very very ropey so the only way i can describe it is it, it's like someone invites you for dinner okay <laughs> because they want to make you happy they want to catch up with you they you know they want to 
give you a night off, a nice meal and a glass of wine. You go around to their house and the dinner is shit. <laughs> right? Pardon your friend. <laughs> you can beat that out. The thought is what counts, but you can't deny the fact that the meal was still awful. And that's what we got here. And it was sort of saved by a, a relatively nice dessert. In terms of the theme and the intention behind the ending was good and it brings closure. But the, it, it this story in some ways needed to be told, but it needed to be told better. You know, the hour and 30 minutes that led to the ending was just not very good. And it's disappointing because I loved that first film. And I'll continue to tell people that the first Insidious film is a legitimately modern great horror movie it it feels like the next step in horror movies is like the films like hereditary those yep. films were deeply shocking yeah um ari aster is a fantastic director i'm looking forward to seeing what he's got coming next mm. and um what was the other film that he did midsummer 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 i mean that was again horrifying horrifying true horror film yeah and it's not because of jump scares. It was because what you see on yeah. screen unfolding in front of you is a catastrophe mm. of, of, of I don't know, human nature is what I'm going to yeah. say. I mean, the, that particular scene in Hereditary, honestly, I will, and I, and I mean this, I will take that to my grave. I well, won't say what it was. I, I'm guessing it's the scene that involves a car yes. and a lamppost yes. and a human being yes, might have hanging out of the, the car. Yeah, why, why would you do that? Because um, I think if people haven't seen Hereditary by now, and it doesn't spoil it really, but if... It, if um, <laughs> no, I know, I know. If but, you haven't seen Hereditary, go and see it. Yeah. If you have, you know what we're talking mm. about. Seeing that in the cinema was deeply disturbing. Yeah, and there are elements of the original Insidious that are horrific. You know, that demon... What, and the best moment in Hereditary is when the child draws the demon and the parents find the child's drawing because that that's scary because the parents know that their child is seeing this thing and it's revealed through a, a, a what is supposed to be an innocent drawing of a child and then throw in some brilliant score and mm. soundtrack over the top. That's scary. Th this has lost its way. And I think they knew it lost its way. It will probably make money because people like me who like the first two will go and see it. But I am think I'm ready for the question. Okay, David, Insidious, the last door or last red door? What's it called? <laughs> the red, no, Insidious, the red door. Is it worth it? Uh, Surely on the back of what you just said, it's a no. No, it's, it's, it really isn't worth it because it, it, it doesn't really go anywhere. And, and even the ending is nice and has a good intention, but just Google the ending. Watch the first two. The first two are very, very good. And also, I mean, they, we know they've run out of ideas. I mean, the name, the red door. I mean, is that the best you can come up with? Yes, clearly. I mean, that is poor. It's very poor. You know, someone's been paid to think of that name, so I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. But no, Insidious, the red door. I don't think it's worth it. Uh, watch the first two. I give up. Thank you very much for listening to Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. We hope we have informed, entertained and educated in some way <laughs> uh, as we uh, we hope 
to. Um, we did put a message out on Facebook and Twitter. We're soon to be on thread. <laughs> um, you can asking you guys <laughs> just sort of a mid-year kind of review of what you've watched, what you've liked so far, what you haven't liked so far. Any recommendations you can give, what you've had for dinner as well. Nobody responded to that bit. I'm sad about that. They did. That. Oh, they did. Recent activity, Andrew Morgan. Oh, okay. You read, you start, you kick us off quickly. Okay, let me find it. You didn't give me a heads up Sorry, about Sorry, well, I'll kick us off then. Uh, so, Jeffro Wayman, friend and foe of the show. Foe? <laughs> You're friend not. and foe, just, no, just friend. You're just friend. Good friend and friend. follower, I think you mean. That's what I meant. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jeffrey. Um, so Jeffro comments saying, best film I've watched so far this year is probably The Covenant, the Guy Ritchie one that wasn't advertised, but is much better. Operation Fortune, also a Guy Ritchie film, I had to turn off, felt like a cheap imitation. Jeffro, thank you for your contribution there. And recent activity, and I'm assuming it was Andrew Morgan, friend of the show. I've been on his show a few times, great guy. Um, he said, best movie of the year so far, uh, Spider-Verse, which we just reviewed, but John Wick 4 is close. Worst movie, Bad Behaviour, uh, which he saw at Sundance. Uh, and most disappointing, I know he, we, we didn't ask, but he gave us it anyway, Asteroid City. Oh. And for dinner, he said he's having whatever the F he wants, because he is an adult. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, now I know he, he was disappointed with Asteroid City, I am going to tweet him and argue. We've also got a, a message from Lawline. Um, my aunt still hasn't forgiven me for Babylon. I enjoyed Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Probably my favourite film this year so far is Across the Spider-Verse. Haven't seen a bad film. They normally come along in Oscar season. Tonight I'm having shepherd's pie though with beef, which is hilarious because I... you definitely mentioned <laughs> shepherd's pie in this show. I can't believe that. I said I'm sick of bloody shepherd's pie oh. <laughs> but no no it's great to um it's great to hear from you um and you know we uh we we do appreciate your contact and uh craig if people do want to contact us give them the various social media platforms including facebookery and twitter okay well if you're on facebook just search is it worth it the film review podcast on twitter we are at film is worth it uh email address to to email us because lawline you are a wonderful contributor via email and i'm sorry we haven't got around to e uh reading out your emails we're going to collate these and i would love to somehow distribute them to the world in some way because <laughs> genuinely you are very informative in the films that you go and see and yeah, we do yeah. love getting those emails so the email address anyway is my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com and um, please listen to david on mike mike and oscar let us know if he goes american um anything else you want to comment david no, just it's been eighteenth, nineteenth ish of July. The episode will be out with Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Oscars twenty twenty four around ever closening bend. Um, it's been an honour, Craig. Um, just to chat with you and talk film. I know we've moaned, but there is hope. I do think there there are new stories being told. I'm really excited for Oppenheimer. I think this could be a major player in awards season. Well, another Nolan film. Um, and I think Nolan's one of my favourite ever directors. He's, he's cementing himself up there with Interstellar and Dunkirk, Inception. He's he's up there with Spielberg, isn't he? He's he's just great. And I think Oppenheimer is going to be a brilliant, brilliant film. Other than that, it's been a joy and an honour, uh, you know, chatting movies in this fine establishment, establishment. This, this wonderful home that you now call home. How are you going to leave? How are you going to get home? I actually don't know. 
Do you know what would be terrible is if my parents say, we'll pick you up. Would you like to come for dinner? What's it, what is it? Is that what you're hoping? Shepherd's pie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it anymore! Cigarettes! So sick of shepherd's pie and cottage pie. I want pie! Oh, your... <laughs> well, we, we tried. <laughs>